Is routine boring? Maybe, and it might just save your life. My guest in the podcast this week has a radical perspective on doing the same things over and over again, and it may help you live to 100 or beyond. This is the 5AM Miracle, episode number 390, How Routinology Can Transform Your Life, with Dr. Angel Iskovich. Good morning, I am Jeff Sanders, and this is the podcast dedicated to dominating your day before breakfast. My guest today is the author of The Art of Routine, How Routinology Can Transform Your Life. Armed with three decades of experience in psychiatry and ER medicine, my guest offers inspiring routine, including daily attitude adjustments that will have you feeling empowered. And now here is my interview with Dr. Angel Iskovich. So let's begin today with a little bit of your background in medicine as a physician and, and how that led up to your new book, which is called The Art of Routine. Uh, I'm really curious about the connection there between your background in medicine and, and really how that plays into uh, to productivity. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, you know, my background started really uh, in my interest in philosophy and then into medical school, into psychiatry, and then into emergency medicine for, for many years. And then I went into onto the uh, kind of corporate world, into the health physician management. I had a little kind of a, a broad piece, but during uh, medicine, and probably about ten or fifteen years ago, we were developing geriatric emergency departments, meaning that we were trying to look for how to have specialized areas when people came to the emergency department who were older, who were over sixty-five years or older, because we know that they have different presentations and different illnesses, just like children do, where we have children's emergency departments and the sort. And I got interested in, uh, and this is how it started, in longevity. And I, start, I started to study centenarians or centigenarians, people that were over 100 years of age. And as I studied them, I found out a couple interesting things about their behavior and kind of the insight into their nature. And those things were, one, that they did things very regularly and had a routine, that it was very timed and had great regularity. And number two is that they had a very stable environment. Namely, they had a stable physical environment and a stable social environment with the people that were around them. And this was very consistent. On the other hand, what they did within that routine really varied tremendously. Some of them had not be doing particularly healthy things, but what occurred was that they did things regularly, whether it was drinking alcohol or smoking a cigar, things that we would consider unhealthy. And this got me to thinking really, um, Jeff, about uh, high performers and how care of the young, and then also in businesses that perform highly and, and well. And I started to realize that those two components were important components of longevity, high performance, care of the young, businesses, the way one's organized and one's structured, and led me to the question about why is that medically uh, or otherwise, why are we that way? And began to realize that we're kind of wired that way. Uh, and we're wired because of how our endocrinology and our physiology is, how our circadian rhythms operate, and even how we perceive our world is uh, that way. If you think about it, our world has a tremendous regularity and rhythm. The way we perceive the world with the sun rising and setting, with the seasons which change, uh, and then when you look into our own ourselves and our own physiology, 
the way our circadian rhythms operate, our heart beats regularly, so that regularity rhythm is part of how we live and how we uh, survive and how we find equilibrium and stability. And that's how we as humans, I believe, survive and find ourselves to have more in themselves meaningful and purposeful lives. So that's a little a little synopsis of how that started and how it kind of interacts with medicine and uh, our physiology. Yeah, I want to go back to your mention of those people who are living to, you know, age 100 and above and you mentioned that, you know, they had a lots of varied routines, but I guess having the routine itself seemed to be important. Is that something that you've seen over time that regardless of the routine people have just having the act of a regular lifestyle that that's actually more stable for our health and, and benefit long term as opposed to having a, a varied schedule? Absolutely. And you know, I want to make a distinction because routine is about not the content of what you do, but that you do this in a regular fashion, in a, in a timely fashion. And of course the environment is where you do this and, or what different places you do this. And, you know, I, just to let you know, I call that just as an analogy for people to understand it, a little bit of a time bubble. The bubble is sort of the environment that can internally or externally kind of break and time is what you do within it. But the content, what you choose to do is kind of really the art. That's what you choose to do or your circumstances have you do certain types of things so that the kind of insight that I, I believe, particularly in today's times, are that it's more important to do things regularly in order to find meaning and purpose to be productive. Whatever it is you might do uh, or want to do, either in areas of exercise or fitness or health or in your own work life, the insight is that we maybe need to pay more attention to the regularity than to the, the content itself. And to your, to your question, uh, in general, one finds, and there are quite a few studies that show in the psychological literature, it's called coherence. Um, that's just a, a, a little bit. So to your point, yes, very much so. So let's get into your new book, The Art of Routine, Discover How Routinology Can Transform Your Life. Uh, I really like this term of routinology. I'd like to hear more about what exactly is that. Well, and thank you for, thank you for asking. So it's a little bit of really a, a play on words because routine and ology is really the study of routine. And it's interesting because as I looked more into the medical literature, the psychological literature, there's quite a bit about habits, which are automated behaviors that one does, sometimes timely, sometimes not timely, sometimes in routine or not, but not a lot of work has been done specifically on routines, people that have behaviors that are, in fact, repetitive and timely uh, in themselves. So that's kind of what led me um, into uh, thinking about that concept that the art is what the content that you do and the routine is that timeliness and the environment, or what I call a bubble, is where how we live, where we live, what our environment is that we do these, these types of things. And, and from it, I began to realize in looking at my own experience and in the book itself, we begin to look at those areas of longevity, high performers in particular, care of the young, businesses, and what particular stories of people that have shown those attributes and how they've used routine organization and structure to really be effective. And that's, that's kind of what, what the book, uh, the book is about. It's some stories that kind of builds an argument really to the importance of focusing more on rhythm and regularity, momentum, really routines and having stable environments, but understanding that the life that we live 
from the time we come from that very stable little time bubble of being born in a womb to the time we come out that life as we as we age and as time goes on things happen where we have to adapt where changes occur where our routines are broken where we now have to recreate but understanding that our bodies are wired to develop this type of regularity rhythm and to stabilize for really our own survival both the individually and socially we understand that there is really great hope with that we in ourselves will find meaning and purpose as we get into these types of routines and find the right environments so that's that's uh, the the thinking and what the book's about so in terms of having this routine are we talking more along the lines of sleep habits or work routines or what exactly does it mean to have like a day that that would have these solid routines in them well, you know, I, in the book, uh, for example, as an example, let's just talk about high performers because it's not just ab- about, um, although it's very important how one's day starts, as, as, as you, some of your thoughts and thinking are very, very, very right on because they work perfectly with our circadian rhythms. And so the book speaks, let's say, for example, on high performers uh, and trying to highlight routine and a stable environment. In the book, I speak about in some detail about the Rolling Stones, who are now seven years old, been out on the road for 55 plus years, performing at an extremely high level, even as, as they've aged. And then when you start to examine them, where you'd think that kind of the, the image of the rock and rollers, you know, throwing uh, things in a hotel room or being very spontaneous about their artistic talent, what you end up learning when you talk to their choreographers and to some of them that they have been extremely routine. They are extremely organized and structured in how they travel and whenever they go to any of their venues. You know, one example that I talk about is that their backstage, for example, is exactly the same, has to be exactly the same and brought with them wherever they go so that they have a familiar environment in which to be ready to perform. And then they have an incredibly timed routine that from the day, from the moment they get to whatever venue they're they're at, whatever town they're at, they time it almost to the minute for the next day to three days, particularly the last day of when they rehearse, when they dance, when they practice, when they dress, when they meet together, and the rituals that they have before they perform to find a sense of both physical stability and that routine, which then allows them to have high performance. That's, for example one example of of how routine is used and interestingly enough i just say jeff that not only of course our many of our lives if not most of our lives have been disrupted by the the current pandemic people who are high performers that have to do a lot of travel have to try to maintain that that homeostasis and that equilibrium of an environment while changing time zones i talk a little bit about what i call the travel time bubble just as an analogy but there's quite a bit of physiology that occurs with the disruption of circadian rhythms. And not everyone has the ability to manage that so that they can perform well when traveling, whether it's traveling for business, traveling sometimes for pleasure, or traveling because one is performing either in sports activities or in artistic activities or music in the sort. It has you know, very wide applications, both in a personal fashion and in a social fashion and and, and for performers as well.
What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with my sponsor, Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. So in terms of, I guess, this idea of, of creating this ritual, it sounds like we're almost trying to like plan our lives uh, to make every day feel the same. Is, is that or is the goal here to really say like, you know, every Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, they all feel the same because we have the same kind of structures, the same like wake up times, the same work schedule, and that that kind of regularity produces, I guess, better health outcomes, better longevity for us. Is that we're really just trying to achieve a sense of, of sameness, which is better for our bodies. Is that basically it? I think there is a lot of that. Now, people often ask me like, Wow, that's pretty boring Groundhog Day, right? <laughs> this is like Groundhog Day, right? Over, you know, over and over again. Or they'll tell me that routine is boring. And and what I what I what I'm trying to do is let people understand that they have the ability to change what it is they do. For example, we're being bombarded today. Let's talk a little bit about health, diet, for example. We're being bombarded today with different kinds of diets. Everybody's trying to sell you something. There's paleo diet, South Beach diet. Um, and, and on and on, right? And you're being constantly bombarded with different types of diet, or you're being bombarded with different forms of exercise. It's better for you to do Pilates or better for you to do yoga or better for you to do Tai Chi. My point about this is that that's the content of what you do. That can be what you choose to do depending on what's best for your current situation. But whatever it is you do, start to do it and do it regularly and do it with routine. And that's the problem. We're right now being distracted, interrupted, and moving from content to content often, there, where we can't get into any rhythm, into a, even a little bit of a minimal amount of Groundhog Day, okay? And when you look at the, the body's physiology, whether it's what we do when we first awake, what we, what we know about humans, even in the worst situations, and I talk about this in, in, the, in the Art of Routine, about crisis. Um, how a couple individuals, including uh, even my, my mother, were able to overcome in the worst of situations by finding a little something that they could do in a routine regularly, which gave them a sense of accomplishment and meaning and the sort. And I think uh, in trying to relate this uh, concept um, to some of the thinking that you've seen, it's, it's, it's interesting that uh, you know there's quite a bit written about starting the day by doing something and doing it every day 
and beginning your routine, your routine properly. And there's quite a bit of science about what's happening in your circadian rhythms as you awake in, in the morning, uh, what's happening to your blood pressure, how your cognitive abilities in, increase, and how dopamine, some of the neurochemicals, are giving you good feelings of, of reinforcement that occur when you do things in the same way and complete that task over and over again. So that might be a little a more um, that you, you might want in that regard, but it's not about Groundhog Day. It's not about a, something that you do that's boring, but it's rather that whatever it is you choose to do, we need to focus more on the routine, the regularity of it, and trying to do it in more consistent environments. So in terms of, of I guess, let's go with, go with environment here. You mentioned this idea of a stable environment. I'm curious as to what, how, how does that play out for the average person? Is a stable environment simply a place where, you know, you can expect a certain result every day and it feels it's expected for you? Nothing surprising in that environment. Is that where we're trying to get to a place where, you know, we walk into work and the office looks the same and we have the same systems as opposed to, I guess, a life where like maybe if you're traveling a lot, that things are varied frequently. Is the goal to get to a life where we we know are the spaces we live in and those are the same every day? Whether they're exactly same or not, this is what our bodies strive for when you try when you look at homeostasis and stability. A lot of people do not have that type of stability in these types of, of stable environments. And that's what the disruptions are. I mean, one great example of it is how we've suddenly in, in this life that we live where we're extremely mobile and moving about to work in the sort, since the pandemic occurred, one of the collateral, I call it collateral, there's been a lot of collateral damage that's happened from the pandemic, both medically and otherwise socially, but there's some collateral value that's occurred. And some of the things that occurred is that people were forced to really stay, for example, in their homes, in their shelter, shelter in places, they talked about it. And they begin to develop this sense of home and shelter and protection and in times of uncertainty. And they began to kind of appreciate that particular environment. In fact, I know a few people just came to me and they said, they said, you know, it's it's really interesting, Angel, because you talk about because I'm having to now do a new routine because I used to wake up, do the following, go to work. I'd come home at the end of the day. I'd maybe make dinner or go out to dinner, exercise, and then back to home and the home wasn't, didn't have the same value, but now I recognize the value. In fact, I was looking at this old couch that I had and I couldn't believe why, now that I have to sit on it all the time, why it is that I didn't ever change it out. People began to try to improve their environment, make it, even though it was a sheltering in place, to start to make it a, a safe haven, a place that the, where they could live and spend more time and do the things that they do in a more regular basis, you know, mothers who who had either been out of work or had to take care of their kids had to now be able to find not daycare, but rather a new routine in caring, caring for their children within home, doing studies, um, doing home study and education, really, in many cases online. Fathers were suddenly together more so with their families and began to develop some new and different values in this sort of speak home environment, which in essence, they were forced to be in. So uh, when I speak of the environment, I speak about the work environment, your home environment, your community, the neighborhood that you're familiar with. And by the way, medically, the way our brains work, 
when one is young, very young, or when one is older, adapting and change to where we are in the environments are more difficult. In our middle ages, it's much more easily for us to adapt, move homes, change environments, change seasons, different areas with different seasons and routines. But as we get older, it becomes more difficult. In medicine, we, we're really aware of what's called the sundown syndrome, where people that are a bit more elderly, um, you know, over 70 or so, come into the hospital, which is a completely different environment than the home that they've been in, and they're ill or need to come in the hospital, and they become confused and disoriented of being in a hospital setting. They've left that, that comfort, that environment, that, so to speak, time bubble. And it's the same with children who are younger, you know, children who, when you're bringing, when you look at care of the young, you see a lot of organization and structure that's occurred, a lot of routine and habit that's required, and a stable environment. It's not too different than if you have a, a dog or, or other species requiring certain sense. This is what gives stability and homeostasis. The body adapts and begins to feel better, uh, basically be happier, and have a sense of meaning and purpose. And on the diet side, for example, historically, and looking back at like the Eskimo community, we never were able to go out one day and eat Chinese and another day eat Swedish and bring in all these different foods that we now have because we're a wealthier society than, than we were and, and less impoverished society than we were a hundred years ago. If you, one reads the book Factfulness from Hans Rosling, one begins to understand how almost a hundred years ago we were kind of in poverty. So, but we were, we were confined geographically to a certain staple of foods and our bodies adapt to those foods and like that, those type of things. In other words, somebody who told me that I feel great because I'm a vegetarian diet, I might say to them, well, maybe it's, it's, it, it's only not so much that it's a vegetarian diet, but it's that you're taking the same consistent kind of food at the same regular times that your body is adapted to the proteins, the amino acids, and your body's become very homeostatic and adaptive because you're not switching and changing uh, all the time, the types of things that you're exposed to within within your environment. So I'm not advocating a beef jerky diet. Don't get me wrong. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not advocating. But uh, that's and maybe that's a little longer answer than that I'm um, that I'm trying. But I think I in the book I try to build that argument and show examples of that how that's the case and how that reflects to modern time and the facts of our modern time. Fast forward to the end of 2024 and think about your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should check out my sponsor, Babbel. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, and studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions, without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. 
Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yeah, certainly. Uh, in terms of, of how we approach these routines, where do you think that most people are are failing or are coming up short? Is it that, that we're all distracted because there's too much going on or that we have these like a lack of consistency among our daily schedule? Like where do people tend to fall off the wagon when they're trying to, to establish these routines? Right. And it, it's a, you know, it's a great, it's a great question because really in, in some ways your, your first point, I think, which I mentioned, we're kind of in a, I think an age of infinite distraction, particularly now with the digital world and all of the things that our our technology is bringing to us, it kind of varies. You know, obviously in in, in the medical realm and in doing psychiatry and otherwise, there are people with you know behavioral issues, and what you see with with these behavioral issues is that they are unable to get anything done with any with any regularity or or otherwise. And you know, in fact, that's what we do when people have uh, psychiatric issues or come to the hospital, what do we do? We provide a cocoon and we get them on a timely schedule. Very important uh, for that to occur. But I do think that it can be multiple types of things. First of all, yes, the distra- one can lose, lose their job. In today's times, those types of things, losing their jobs, divorce. I remember recently meeting a an insurance salesman who had mentioned, I said, oh, I heard you were going to write, you're writing a book about routine. And I got to tell you how important that was in my life and how my life was for a period of time really ruined. And I said, well, what kind of events uh, kind of, so to speak, busted your time bubble? And how did you recreate it? And he said, well, you know, I got divorced. I lost my child in the divorce and custody, and I lost my job. And I was, you know, flailing to be able to do anything consistently. My exercise fell off. The kind of food that I had fell off. I was worried about my financial condition. And one day I just had a little bit of interest to try to get some exercise. And I went to the gym early in the morning at about seven o'clock. Uh, next to me on the treadmill was this older gentleman. I started to talk to him, befriended. And this was someone that had incredible amount of organization and structure through his day and how he did things. And we became friends and he became a bit of a mentor. And suddenly I was on a exercise routine that started to occur on a regular basis. I befriending him, he showed me how, where he likes to eat and how in his body works better at a certain time relative to mine. And I suddenly started to do a couple things. And then he told me that he did what I often sometimes prescribe. He said, you know, I decided because of a little bit of loneliness, I, I got a dog and the dog got me on this incredible routine because, you know, once you get a dog, there's a time to walk, there's a time to feed, right? You know, those type of things happen. The disruption that happens can be uh, in, in our lives can be external. Uh, they can be, uh, or they can be often, you know, self self-inflicted by some of the decisions we make. But I do believe that right now, certain aspects um, of social media, uh, we're having a certain addictions on social media. We're having cell phone um, addictions. We're being distracted. And also through the pandemic, we've not been able to be socially interacting with each other. Uh, I don't know how much has happened to you, uh, Jeff, but somebody says, hi, how you doing, uh, 
Dr. Iskovich, how are you doing? And I just don't know who that is because they're wearing a mask. They somehow mm. recognize me, but I didn't recognize them. I think the disruptions that occur have always happened for people, whether it's any types of, of losses or not being able to find one's way uh, of a goal or of what they're trying to accomplish in life. I think the prescriptions for today's times are for us to focus on getting back our rhythm, our momentum, basically developing a routine and trying to work towards stabilizing our environments. So in terms of, of your own routine, I'm curious, because I like to ask my guests about their early morning habits. Uh, do you have any specific way you like to, to begin your day to ensure that you have a routine that works well for you? Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, so uh, for me, it was um, quite a while back that I got into, and now this becomes a little difficult with, with the wife about when you make your bed, right? <laughs> but m- making making the bed which you know you've you've heard some of the common pieces about making making one's bed has become very much a part of an early morning routine. You know it's interesting they've done as you probably aware of studies about what is it that people actually do when they first wake up. Uh, you know the average sleep time that that when people sleep is about 7 hours and 29 minutes. The average wake up time for most people at least surveyed in this one survey is 6:23 a.m. About 35% of them require in sleep to use a snooze alarm to get them, use an alarm to actually wake them up, which is interesting because we have an internal clock that if things are synced correctly, we'll wake up. If we go to sleep at the same time, we'll wake up at the same time almost uh, almost continuously. So um, for me, the two things that I like to do that start my morning in a routine is one, make the bed and I am someone that goes to make the coffee in the morning. And one other thing that I've I found useful, and I've used it in a prescriptive way as a prescription, so to speak, for some people, is to do an affirmation to start the day. A number of people will meditate or practice yoga. I kind of like affirmations when people are looking and struggling because meditation takes a little bit more to do, a little bit more of development on what it is you do, how you do it, and the sort, and the same with something like yoga, for example, it doesn't take much on the exercise side. If one ever saw Stuart Smalley saves his family, he was a a bit of an outcast and was trying to gain his confidence and would wake up every morning saying something like, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was an aff, but the affirmation, which in today, with today's technology is is so easy, easy to utilize is you can just put on your alarm at whatever time it is, seven or whatever time you like, the word affirmation, and it kind of alarms you to say something. And it could be as simple as today, I'm going to have a, a really great day. I've got four things to do that I'm going to plan to do. Uh, I like daily affirmations, and I do that. They're mostly different each day. But I, I like daily affirmations, and doing one every day and getting in that routine, I think, makes for the beginning uh, of a better day. I looked at studies about. Uh, so about 73% of people use alarms and 63% of people in this, this survey, which was a, a, a group of more uh, middle-aged to younger people, about 79% exercise. Uh, those were just some interesting studies. What do people do immediately when they wake up is kind of interesting because about 50% today check their email immediately. Hmm. So, uh, about 50%, about 63% in the survey check their phones immediately. And about 55 say they can do this no matter where they travel or what, or what they do. And also what people do as their first drink. So there's some interesting surveys 
about how people begin their days in, in your thinking, how you've uh, been able to promote better health. I think that's all uh, very, 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 very helpful and very right on how our bodies work. Yeah, I like your focus there on making the bed and affirmations. Those are really, I think, helpful and, and simple, you know, simple habits we can all form that really solidify those routines. And for our listeners this week who want to get a copy of your book, where can they go? Well, you know, The Art of Routine is uh, now in pre-order. It's coming out on May 18th with uh, Skyhorse Publishing and Simon & Schuster. And it's on ready to be ordered on Amazon or Barnes & Noble uh uh, Barnes and Noble, Skyhorse Publishing, and Simon and Schuster. So any of those usual outlets, uh, it's available for purchase and uh, coming your way in in about a month or so. Okay, perfect. I'll have those links for our listeners this week in the show notes page. But uh, on how this has been fantastic, I'm really excited for for your book, and I think it's a great topic. Uh, certainly, routines have a lot of power uh, and a lot of potential for people. So uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Well, my my pleasure, uh, Jeff. I really really enjoyed it. And for that action step this week, embrace routines. Dr. Iskovich believes in the power of routines because they work so well on your health. To learn more, of course, get a copy of his book, The Art of Routine. JeffSanders.com slash 390 is the place to go to get the episode notes, including links to his book and transcriptions and a whole lot more. That's all I've got for you here on the 5 a.m. Miracle Podcast this week. Until next time, you have the power to change your life. And the fun begins bright and early. Hey, it's Jeff Sanders, and I'm here to tell you about Greg McEwen and his amazing show, The Greg McEwen Podcast, part of the Yap Media Network. Want to achieve more by doing less, all while avoiding burnout? You can design a life that really matters with Greg McEwen, author of New York Times bestsellers, Effortless and Essentialism. His mission is to help you advocate and negotiate your way to remarkable results. Every Tuesday, Greg discusses one key topic he finds interesting and valuable through the lens of the essentialist. Every Thursday, he invites thought leaders, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and people like you for inspired weekly conversations focused on learning how to do what matters first and do less but better. His content will stir your thoughts and spark inspiration and action. And his British accents, well, that's just the cherry on top. Subscribe to the Greg McEwen podcast today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.